this morning we are continuing a series that we've uh, been in uh, the last couple weeks, this idea of abnormal. And throughout the series, we've been digging into Paul's letter to the Philippians, uh, the letter that he wrote in prison. Uh, and, and strangely enough, it kind of correlates with the current season that we're living in now. This idea that you know, being imprisoned is kind of like COVID. It's taken everything we know, everything that we're used to, and kind of turned it upside down. What, what we knew as normal uh, was kind of gone in the blink of an eye. We're stuck with this new normal, as we hear people say, which really is abnormal. Um, last week, I talked about where our focus is and why that matters. This idea of focusing on the positive or focusing on the negative. We can focus on everything that we've lost through this uh, so-called pandemic, or we can focus on the new opportunities at hand. We can focus on ourselves, or we can focus on God and what he can do through us. But I don't think it's always the road ahead that trips us up. Sometimes we fall because we're so focused or mentally held back by our past. Sometimes it's the shame of who we've been, or sometimes it's the good stuff too. Sometimes it's the arrogance and what we've accomplished. I went to Mid-America Christian University and graduated with a degree in youth ministry. And I wasn't one of those guys that, that wanted to do youth ministry as a stepping stone uh, for being a senior pastor. I knew that I was called to be a youth minister. I wanted to do that. That's where I was headed. And I went to Pennsylvania. I was there for four and a half years around there. And we were pretty close to, to Pittsburgh. And I remember about two years into ministry, I just kind of hit a wall. I was really struggling. I, I just felt like I was being depleted. I don't know if it was burnout. It was all these things. I just, I, I just kind of felt like a fraud. I, I, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm, I'm not even, I'm no better than the people that I'm serving. Like, I just hit this, this time in my life where I just felt like, why, why am I doing this? Like, there's other people that can do this better. Like, the, <laughs> What am I doing? And I realized that I'd, I was serving the church, but there wasn't anybody that was uh, serving me. I was pouring into other people. There was no one pouring into me. And I started to get this feeling like I was backsliding. Like, I don't even, where, where's my faith been? I felt like I was losing my faith. Like, who, who am I turning into? What's, what's happening to me? And there were so many times in that time period that I would look back at my college years and I would say, those were, those were the glory days. Like, what, what happened to me? I used to be in my Bible every day. I was, you know, I, it just things were going great. And now here I am and I want to quit my job. And then I realized something really important. And, and this epiphany came to me while I was playing a video game. I'm, I'm, I'm playing this video game. And it was a game that had different levels. And you beat a level, and then what? guess what? You go on to the next level. But what you realize about a video game, most of the time, when you go to the next level, the next level's a little bit harder than the last one. It's a little bit more difficult. And I, and I had this epiphany in this moment. I'm thinking, I haven't backslidden. I've leveled up. I've entered into this world that we call adulting. <laughs> right? Life, life became different. You know, I wasn't at MACU anymore. I wasn't living with my Christian friends that were keeping me accountable. I, I, I'm now, I'm off and I'm, I'm on my own. And, and, and what am I doing? 
And there were times that I wanted the will from five years ago to come back. But then I had to learn something. I had to realize that that will couldn't handle today, that that will hadn't weathered the storms that I had, that that will hadn't grown like I had. I learned a really, really important lesson that day. And this is our focus for today is that my future was not behind me. Your future is not behind you. Because God promised in his word that he would bring to completion the work that he began in me. And I don't know if you've noticed this about life yet, but life tends to be about a series of hills and valleys. And sometimes when you're in the valley, it's, it's tempting and easy to look back at the mountain that you used to be on and say, Woof, I'd sure love to go back there. I wish I was back there. The problem is that it keeps you from climbing the new mountains that are in front of you. And maybe you're like, Pastor, well, I don't even even have mountains in the past. And sometimes the the same is true about focusing on our valleys. You know, focusing on our past, whether it's good or bad, is not good for us. Whether it's failures, sin, it can lead to depression, it can make you lethargic. And that's, that's what I mean. We talk about this idea that our focus matters. It's not just positive, negative, but it's where we place our focus that matters. You know, once we've learned from the past, once we've learned from our victories and our mistakes, there's nothing else that it has to offer us. And the question that I have to ask today is, how do do we do that? How do we take our eyes off the past so that we can focus on our future? And if you're following along today, this will be the first thing to fill in. To appreciate the road behind, then let it go. If we're going to take our eyes off the past, we've got to learn to do this, to appreciate the road that we're on, to appreciate the past that happened, good or bad, and then let it go. Philippians 3, 13 says, Brother, I do not consider that I've made it on my own, but there is one thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what lies behind. See, for for better or for worse, I think that it's important that in our lives we find a rhythm of gratefulness. I think that we've got to learn to be grateful for our past victories, but we we also have to understand we can't live there. You can't stay there. You've got to forge forward. And at the same time, we've got to be thankful for our past failures because we've got to understand that that's how we became who we are today. That's that's how we learned. You, You have this idea where you say, I live with regrets. Well, if you have a regret, that means you learned a lesson from it. And you don't want to go back and undo that because then you you don't learn what you need to learn. You don't become who you are today. I want to read Hebrews 12, 1. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, including the past and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run the race that is set before us. Now, I don't know about you, and and maybe this is because I live in a household with a five-year-old, but when I say the phrase, let it go, what's the first thing you think of? Thank you. I'm I'm so glad that somebody said that because that means that I'm a little less crazy than I think I am, right? I'm glad I'm not the only. Yeah, when when I hear those words, let it go, I think of Elsa from Frozen. And I was thinking about that week, this week, and I'm like, man, she sang those lyrics, but that's not what she did. She didn't let it go. She just buried it deep down inside and went off to live in an ice palace by herself, right? Like that's, that, that's not letting it go. She was burying it. 
And it was, a, it was controlling the way that she lived. And this verse, I think, is all about focus. Like understanding that, yes, our, our victories and our failures, they can be great motivation. And, and I'm not saying that we should pretend like they didn't happen. But we can't suppress it. Because if you suppress it, it's about what won't happen if that's where your focus stays. Don't let your past, good or bad, get in the way of who you become, right? Letting go is not about pretending life is easy. It's about giving it to God. It's about giving him your junk, your frustration, your sadness, your pain, so that you can move forward, right? Jesus says, listen, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, listen, I came so that you could have life and not just have life, but have it abundant. And maybe if you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, Will, my life is not abundant. Is there a chance that maybe you're focused too much on your past? And my question for you, what, what parts of your past, whether it's good or bad, are weighing you down, are keeping you stuck? Are you letting who you were yesterday dictate who you are today? This idea that just because you were mean yesterday doesn't mean that you can't be nice today. And if you were nice yesterday, it isn't a license to be mean today. I believe with all my heart that the remedy of becoming who you haven't been is slowly becoming who you want to be day by day, improving just 1% every day. See, our focus needs to be on the present, what we can do now. And that's how we get the future that God has envisioned. A future that I'm telling you is what you want. Because we're trusting in God. The God that created us, the God that designed us, just might have an idea of what we want and what's best for us. You say, well, what's that look like? How do I do that? How, how do I just take all of that, take all that past, not focus on it? How do, how do I get rid of it? Because you, you can't. We're, we're not God, right? I, I can't forget my mistakes and failures. They're there. But how do we take our focus off of that? The first thing I think we have to do is I think we have to find how to be humble. We've got to find humility in our lives. And to me, humility is the recognition of God's involvement in our victories. It's understanding that that past, that those mountaintops, we didn't get there by ourselves. I also think it's, it's recognition of God's inevitable intervention in your failures. Understanding that because of who God is, that my past failures don't dictate my future, that I have a chance to be freed from that and to be something different. I think it's understanding that a fixation on your past is selfish. Because when you look back, who are you focused on? You're focused on yourself. And the key to humility is this. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's thinking about other people. It's thinking about God more. It's dwelling on his truth, a truth that has the power to set us free. You say, free from what, Pastor? Well, free from who you've been, free from your past. I think the other thing we have to do is confess. Scripture tells us, it says, listen, if you want forgiveness, you have to confess to God. And I know that sometimes that, that seems silly, confessing to an all-knowing God. It's like, okay, God, I'm telling you this, but you already know this. But honestly, I think it's more for our own benefit. It's, it's therapeutic even. I think it's more so about telling God so that he can help to forgive yourself. Because I don't know if that's you, but that's me for sure. I'm not worried about whether or not God's going to forgive me. Sometimes I need his help forgiving myself so that I can move forward. 
It also says that if you want healing, you've got to confess to one another. Confess to each other. So this, this summer, we went on a trip to Broken Bow. And I'm planning this trip, and I'm like, ooh, kayaking and canoeing. That sounds fun, right? Let's do that. And so we plan this trip. We're, we're there. We get to the day. We're going kayaking and canoeing. And I'm, I'm in the building talking to the guy, and he's telling me about this. And we, we get to the place, and he's like, you know, I don't think you should, you should do a canoe. He's like, this, this river is pretty hard. You know me. I'm like, man, I grew up in Florida. I've been canoeing my whole life. I'm good, dude. I got this, right? I don't need your advice. I'm, I'm going to go for it. Terrible decision, by the way. So, yeah, Corbin's shaking his head back there because he was in the boat with me. Uh, not good, right? So we get to this place, and this is when I'm having this conversation with the guy, and this is when I know we're in trouble because he's telling us, like, how to find our way out, right? He's like, you're, this is where we're dropping you off, and this is where we're going to pick you up. Make sure you don't miss this spot. He said, you're going to go through these rapids, and I'm like, oh, rapids, okay, we got this. Hey, we're going to go through these rapids. You're going to find this really big bend. You're going to hit some more rapids. And then there's going to be a waterfall. And then past the, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just say waterfall? I'm supposed to, listen, could you have told me about the waterfall before I picked the canoe? You expect me and Corbin to go down a waterfall in a canoe? And it, it wasn't that bad. I mean, we went for a swim, but, you know, we... We, we survived, but part of the problem was, wasn't necessarily our canoeing skills. Corbin and I spent half the day getting kids unstuck from the rocks in the rapids, right? And I, I just was thinking about this, like, what would have happened if those kids were out there by themselves? Listen, I, I'm, I'm not sure that Sam Ward's ever going to forgive me, okay? I think we got her unstuck three or four times. But you know what? I got mad props for her because she powered through. And I think there was probably times she wanted to quit, but she didn't. And I'm proud of her, right? But can you imagine if she was out there all alone? I'm not sure she would have survived, right? How many of us were, were doing that with our life, right? We're going through life trying to canoe down a river by ourselves. Like how many of you are sitting here and you have things that you're going through that nobody else knows about? You have pain that you're suffering that you're holding inside. What, what for? And maybe you can't reach to your future because you're stuck in the past because you, you can't deal with your pain. But that's, that's what people are for. A good Christian trusted friend is to help get you unstuck so that you can keep moving forward. Appreciate the past. Let it go. Enjoy the view on the mountain. Enjoy the valley. Take time to enjoy the scenery, but keep going, which leads me to this next, next piece, and that is when the journey is hard, keep pressing on. I need your help here for a moment. Or this, this point is all summed up in the words of Dory. Can you help me out here? Can anybody, you know where I'm going with this? What does Dory say? Just keep swimming. That's right. We're going Pixar today. Just keep swimming. Philippians 3, 14 says this. I press on towards the goal for the upward prize and call God in Christ Jesus. So I, you have to forgive me. I'm one of the people in life that... I, I really am not a huge fan of most celebrities because I just don't think that just because 
somebody's famous, we should listen to what they have to say. Uh, but that's my own personal struggle. I'll get through that someday. But there is one guy that I like, really like. And if, there, like, if somebody said, you can have lunch with any celebrity you want to, this is who I'd pick. His name's Bear Grylls. And it's okay. If you don't like Bear, that's fine. Just don't tell me about it, okay? But Bear is this dude. He, he had this show called Man vs. Wild. And he just does crazy stuff. And I don't even care if it was fake. You can't fake eating a giant fat grub worm. I mean, the dude's just nuts. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a believer. He's ex-military. He's just, he's just a really cool guy. And I was at a global leadership summit and I got to hear him speak. And he told this story, right, about his military training and getting into special forces. And he said that him and his crew were told to climb a mountain and get to the other side. And then the convoy would pick them up and bring them back to base. Well, the convoy got there and said, actually, you're out unless you can make it back. And, you know, some of the group was like, oh, gosh, okay, let's do it. And then some of the group, I'm sorry, I, I barely got here. I, I, there's no way I can make it back. And some of them gave up. And so the crew that didn't give up, they started hiking back. And the convoy got down the road, stopped, came back, and then picked them up. They never had any intention of letting them walk all the way back to base, but they wanted to see who was going to give up and who was going to keep pressing forward. Sometimes that's what life is for us. And I have no idea where you are today. I have no idea what you face today. But all I have to say to you is don't give up. Keep pressing on. In the Bible, there's a, a prophet named Elijah, and, and I'm sure some of you, you know the story. He had this great mountaintop experience, right? Like he, he's in this war against the, the prophets of Baal, and he's by himself, and they're trying to decide who is the God of gods, right? Is, is it Baal or is it Elohim? Is it Yahweh? And so he, he has this great victory where he prays and fire comes down from heaven and consumes, and literally, this is 10 verses later. 10 verses after his huge mountaintop experience. This is what it says, 1 Kings 19, 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, sat down under a broom tree, and asked that he might die, saying, is it enough now? O Lord, take my life away, for I am no better than my father. So he comes down from this mountaintop, huge, victorious victory, having defeated the false prophets of the god Baal, and he's in such a dark place that he's hoping for death. The bad news I have for you this morning is that the valleys in life are unavoidable. But the good news is, is that we have access to a God who promises to never leave our side. A God who promises to be strength in our weakness. Now, I'm lucky enough to have, to be a part of a, a larger, huge family that we have a, uh, some property in Colorado and we, we share. We get like one month that we can go. And, and this year, this is the first time I've gone and like, 10, 12 years. It's been a long time. And just a great trip. And, and really close to our property is the Black Canyon. Now, the Black Canyon is as deep as the Grand Canyon, but just not as wide. It's really beautiful. I, I took a picture I wanted to show you guys. You see this. I mean, it's just a, just a really gorgeous place. And it was great. You know, when you're, you're standing, I mean, you know, my wife, I think I freaked her out a little time because the heights don't bother me. So I'm standing on the edge and she's praying the Lord Jesus and uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine. And because the view is just gorgeous. Looking down, I just, man, it's just beautiful. Being on, being on the top of the mountain is great. But what, what do you notice about this picture? What, what is it that's down in the valley? It's water. It's where the river is. Funny thing about water, it just happens to be 
one of the basic substances we need to live. So I know that the mountaintop experience is great, but there's a lot of times that what we need is in the valley. And sometimes we got to walk through the valley to get what we need to become who we need and to get to the next mountaintop. We got to go through the valley to get this. This is Romans 5, 2 through 4 is what it says. Jesus leads us into a place of radical grace where we're able to celebrate the hope of experiencing God's glory. I mean, did you hear that? Where we're able to celebrate the hope of experiencing his glory. And that's not all. We also celebrate in seasons of suffering because we know that when we suffer, what do we do? We develop endurance, which shapes our character. And when our characters are refined, what happens? We learn what it means to hope and anticipate God's goodness. Because it is the valley that reminds us that God is near. It's the valley that reminds us we don't have to do it alone. So I beg you today, you can't give up. Instead, trust God. Keep pressing on. And maybe you're like, well, that's great, man. I'd love to keep pressing on, but I'm about to pass out. Like how? What's that look like? And keep going in the story of Elijah. This is verses five and six. And 1 Kings 19 says he lay down and slept under the bloom tree and behold an angel touched him and said to him arise and eat and he looked and behold there was this head of a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water and he ate and he drank and he lied down again it's interesting to me how often, we just read it not long ago, and, and he does it more so throughout Scripture. Paul relates to our, our journey in faith as a race, like a marathon. And if you're going to run a race and you're going to do it well, there's a couple things that are really, really important. There's a lot of things that are important, but there's a couple things that are vital. One is, is that you need to eat well. You need to eat right. The next piece is, is that you need to rest well. You're like, man, I, I want to keep pressing on, but I'm, but I'm so tired. Well, let me ask you a couple questions today. Are you eating well? Are you eating a diet that gives your body what it needs to thrive? Listen, I ain't trying to be your mama today, but you eating your vegetables or not? Second question is, are, are you resting well? How, how are you sleeping? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you going to bed early enough? Are you looking at your phone all night long? Let's get real with this, right? Let's take this a step further. Let's get spiritual with it, right? Are you eating well? Are you consuming good things? See, God tells Elijah, I want you to eat this scroll. Eat my word and it tasted him sweet as honey. Are you consuming enough of God's word on your own? Are the movies and the music and the media and the TV and the Facebook things you're looking at, are they helping and hurting you? And can I just say that if you're scrolling through Facebook and it's making you a better person, I want to hang out with you because when I scroll through Facebook, I want to punch people in the face. <laughs> just being honest today. Next piece is, are, are you resting well? When's the last time you took a day off? When's the last time you took a Sabbath? And I'm not talking about like what I do, where I was like, I got my day off, so I'm going to mow the lawn and I'm going to do all this stuff. It's <laughs> not resting. You know, it's funny, I was reading through Ezekiel a month ago or so. I couldn't believe how often this was repeated. But over and over and over again in Ezekiel, it talked about how frustrated God was that his people kept profaning his Sabbath. It's important to God. 
it's important for us to take care of ourselves. My question for you today is, how is your soul? And are you allowing enough time in your life to care for your soul? Are you taking care of yourself? And for those out there that you're, you're, you're people pleasers, I'm not trying to point any fingers, but when you take care of yourself, it allows you to take better care of the people around you. So I, I, I binge watched this show on Netflix uh, a couple weeks ago called Cobra Kai. All right, now this show just played on the nostalgia of my life because I grew up watching the Karate Kid movies, right? Like I, I just love these movies. And the show is a, is a little bit similar to the old movie in that there's this Miyagi-type training, right? So, you know, Miyagi gets Daniel LaRusso. He's like, paint the fence. And he's painting the fence. He's like, listen, wax on, wax off. Clean the 8 million cars I got. I don't know why you got 8 million cars, but go ahead and clean them, right? And at one point, Daniel gets frustrated, right? He's like, this old dude's just taking advantage of me. What am I doing? Free work for this guy? But then he turns it and he says, okay, go ahead and, Go ahead and wax on. He tries to punch him and he blocks it. And so he finally connects the dots that everything he's been doing was for a reason and that he's been training him well. And I know that sometimes in life you, you hit a wall and, and you get frustrated and you feel like, I'm not going anywhere. And, and, and what am I doing here? And, and why is this doing it? You just want to give up. But trust me, listen, Miyagi got it from God, Okay. He's doing something in your life. He's preparing you for something that you're going to face. And one day you're going to hit it and you're going to be like, oh, it all makes sense. God was working in the background of my life this entire time. God has been here teaching me. Galatians 6, 9 says this, don't grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap. Can you read this part with me together? If we don't give up, you won't reap if you give up, but if you don't give up. So what I have to say is keep pressing on, keep doing good, keep doing what you're doing, keep chasing God. When life gets hard, keep pressing on. Let me give you one more. When the path is unclear, own your faith. When the path is unclear, Make faith yours. Make it personal. Philippians 3.12 says this, not that I've already obtained this or that I'm already perfect, but I press to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Man, that, that little piece just stuck out to me. Make it my own. I don't want to give away too much. But at the end of this semester, we're going to do a youth series on Wednesday nights called In Five Years. It's hard for me to imagine this, but in five years, most of the kids that are in youth will have graduated or be headed that direction. And I don't know, and maybe it's because I'm a pastor, maybe you guys hear these things too, but I've always heard that it's in college when people walk away or fall from faith. So I want to pose the question to them, in five years, what do you want? In five years, who do you want to be? And does your plan, does your desire for who you want to be, does it include Jesus? Because if you don't own your faith now, if you don't make it a priority now, you probably won't in the future. 
In life, see, it's important to have spiritual goals too. It's important to own your own faith now, to make it a priority, to develop it on your own outside of other people. And I know we, we develop together too, but I'm just saying you, you've got to get to know Jesus for yourself. I want to read to you John 4, 42. It says, They began their faith journey because of the testimony of the woman beside the well. So their faith journey started because of this woman, but then what happens? It says, but when they heard Jesus for themselves, they were convinced that the one they were hearing was the anointed of God, that he was their liberating king, that he was the one sent to rescue the world. Are you, are you noticing what happens here? They didn't get saved because of the faith of someone else. They got saved because somebody else opened the door and they encountered Jesus for themselves. The faith of others can only get you so far. This week, I happened to stumble upon a, a testimony of, of a woman that was a BYU professor. And she used to be, her and her husband were like, like up in leadership in the Mormon faith. And she talked about growing up as a child, and, and she just said, you know, when we were kids, both me and my husband were both raised in the Christian church. She said, we fell away, and we were converted to, to Mormonism. And, and she said that the biggest issue was, she said, we were in church, but we didn't know the word. You know what's crazy? You know what changed everything? You know, she got saved and she came back to God. You know why? She says in her testimony, me and my husband, we started reading the Bible. We read the truth. We sought Jesus for ourselves. We encountered Jesus and it changed our lives forever. The scary part is, in her testimony, is that they were around God but they didn't know him. Don't let that be said about you. Don't let that be said about you that you know God, but you're not friends with him. You're around him, but you don't really know him. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? We cast out demons. We did mighty works. And Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Listen, I'm, I'm not a fan of scare tactics. I'm just being real with you. This verse scares the ever-loving mess out of me because I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be the guy that's around God but doesn't know him. But we avoid that by making faith our own, being in his presence. And that's where we get to lay down who we've been. That's where we get to help to, to be different, to press on. You know, we talked about this idea of letting go of the past and letting it go and, and pressing on when life is hard. But these things are not things that we do out of our own power. They're things that require the help and power of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say this twice so it sticks with you. Our proximity to Jesus determines the brightness of our future. Our proximity to Jesus determines the brightness of our future. Why? Because he is the light. And the closer we are to the heart of God, the less we care about our past because we discover that he doesn't care either. 
And the more we open our hearts and our lives and let Jesus in, the more strength we have to press on because we see that heaven is so much better than any mountain here on earth. And we see that his grace is so much greater than even the darkest nights of our soul. We discover that the only future worth having is found at the foot of the cross. And can I tell you that that future is not behind you, it's before you. Jesus laid down his life so that you could pick up yours, so you could pick up your cross, your journey, your own faith. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up and in a moment we're gonna take communion. So if you have not had the chance to go back to one of the tables and, and get a uh, wafer and a, and a juice, you can do that now. Uh, the team is gonna sing a song and I'm just gonna tell you right now, it's gonna bless you. Um, this is, this is one, of my, one of my favorite songs. And the premise of it is, is telling a story about a man named Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is the grandson of King Saul. Now, a lot of times in, in the history of the world, when a new king came to power, he took out the entire family that was left. But Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, who happened to be King David's best friend. And he invites him to come eat at the king's table. And Mephibosheth is like, who am I to eat at your table? And he says, besides the point, I can't get there because he was lame. He couldn't use his legs. So King David asks for somebody to come get him and carry him to the table. And that is our story, y'all. We do not deserve to sit at the table with King Jesus. We do not deserve to sit with God and eat in fellowship. That's why Jesus came. We couldn't get there ourselves, but he came so that he could carry us. So I pray that as they sing and as you hold those elements, you'll think about that. You'll think about the blood that was shed for you, the body that was broken for you and what that means. That today, regardless of who you've been, regardless of your past, what's it matter? God doesn't care. Why do you? The fact that you can't get to the table, that's not going to bother him. Why? Because he sends his son Jesus today to carry you there. Because that's how much he loves you. That's how much you mean to him. As Jesus met in the upper room with his disciples, he took the elements that represented his body and his blood and he blessed them. Father God, we are so grateful for what we now hold. It is the symbol of the greatest hope that mankind has ever known. It is the symbol that reminds us that your death paved a way for our life. So Lord, you died not just so that we could breathe. You died so we could have a life abundant. So we could let go of the past. Father God, that we might take up your future. Father God, as we eat and drink may we remember the price you paid 
and what that now means for us. We love you. In your name, amen.